I'm Pete McCall, and welcome to episode 87 of All About Fitness. On today's episode, I talk about exercise in a different way. A lot of times we start exercise because we want to change the way we look. Well, how about changing the way we think? My guest today, Jonathan Ross, is a three-time personal trainer of the year who's created a program called Funtensity. He also has done a lot of work to understand exercise in a way that can change your, the way your brain functions. Because I don't think many of us walk into a gym going, yeah, I'm going to train my brain today. But our brain and our cognitive function is a big part and plays a significant role in how we exercise. Jonathan has created a program called Funtensity. And that's exactly what it sounds like. He wants to bring fun into exercise. Because in his experience, a lot of people stop exercising because they feel it's drudgery. They feel it's work. Or sometimes maybe people use exercise to punish themselves. So that's what we talk about today. We talk about a way to change your focus of exercise so that exercise becomes something you look forward to, so that fitness is something you enjoy. He wants to bring the fun back into fitness. And we talk about what his program Funtensity involves. At the same time, if you're having more fun with exercise, you're getting the cognitive benefit out of it. Because let's face it, none of us are getting any younger. And one of the most important muscles we need to train is that one between our ears. And Jonathan's developed some creative and unique ways to do that. Before I go any further, I just want to take a moment to say thank you to those of you who have taken the time to leave a review. You know how this works. The more reviews we have, the higher up in the search rankings it goes, and the more people can benefit from learning this information. So if you haven't already, if you could take a moment, just leave a review, however you listen all about fitness, it would, it would help me to spread the word and help me get this content out to more listeners. After a brief word from the sponsors of All About Fitness, it's indeed an honor to sit down and talk with Jonathan Ross, three-time personal trainer of the year, educator, and creator of the Funtensity program. What is part bench, part balance trainer, part stability ball, part jump box, and all results? The TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Specially designed to help enhance balance, strength, agility, and metabolic conditioning, the TerraCore is quickly becoming the go-to piece of workout equipment used by fitness professionals around the world. Whether you're training to earn that eight-figure contract or just trying to get in better shape, the TerraCore will help you achieve results you never thought possible. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness, the shape of things to come. Go to www.vicorefitness.com and use code AAF, that's all about fitness, AAF, to save 20% on the purchase of a TerraCore. I'm here with Jonathan Ross, personal trainer out of uh, out of Maryland. Jonathan, can you give us a little background about what it is that you do? Sure. I started as a fitness expert, and I guess training, you know, teaching classes like most people do. But then I realized that wasn't enough, and I wanted to share information with people in other ways. So I got into writing, public speaking, consulting, just sort of essentially having 20 jobs, just all all under the umbrella of fitness and sharing information that helps people live a better life today and in the future. 
And that's, you know, what's interesting is what we've kind of, we've worked together for a number of years. I mean, we were both in Washington, D.C. area at the same time. And I think we met at a couple of events. It's been interesting to kind of, it's always fun to look back and see kind of like how we've evolved. And now we've done some work together through the American Council on Exercise. And just, you know, recently, well, not recently, but for the last little while, you've been focused, I think, on brain and brain-based exercise. And I don't think that many people out there listening might walk into the gym thinking today's going to be my brain dra- my brain training day. But why should we be focused on the brain? Why should we be thinking about the brain? And this is a long question, but how does exercise really affect the brain? Okay, so part one, why we should be focused on it now and in the future is really it sounds almost obvious to say it, but we don't have anything without our brain. We don't have anything in life. We don't have anything that we can experience or enjoy or even look forward to. If we have a body that's a little bit breaking down, we still have a functioning brain, we can still enjoy many aspects of life. But if you have a brain that's breaking down and isn't functioning well, we can't really enjoy anything. And so that gives us an opportunity to understand that if I if, if I make my brain function better now, I enjoy now more because I'm able to make better decisions and have better responses to things that happen to me and I'm able to be more successful at work and handle my interactions with my loved ones better and everything. But it also means that in the future, I have a brain that functions well and keeps me sharp mentally and gives me an opportunity to look forward to a long, happy, and healthy life. So then part two of your question, which is getting into what does exercise do for the brain, um, in the short term, it, it makes you feel better. It elevates your mood. It makes you, if you just think about any time, even if you weren't in a bad mood, if you were just in a little bit of a blah state and you even went for a walk, you didn't have to exercise. If you move, you feel better because you circulate blood. When you move, you circulate blood, and that includes your brain. Your brain gets circulation as well. And so you're sending more oxygenated blood to the brain. The brain all of a sudden gets fed more fuel, and it just feels a little happier. So moving in any way, just in the short term, makes you feel a little bit better. But then it can also help us have a better sense of who we are and a better sense of opportunity and hope. So when we're physically active, and then we, when we start getting into the levels of physical activity that would be hard enough to be called exercise, we start challenging ourselves a little bit. We actually start to expand some of those brain benefits in, in that we produce chemicals that protect the health of the brain long-term, but also short-term. They just give us a greater sense of happiness and joy and sort of hopefulness, and they, they expand our view of things, and they expand our um, sense of hopefulness and, and our sense of what's possible in life as opposed to having a more narrow view of things and a more negative limited view of things which is when we're sort of closed off physically we could be also come closed off mentally so moving makes you better now but it also sets the stage to improve brain health in the future as well so does that mean in and i'm trying to think of a way to phrase this so how does our current how does our current like lifestyle if we're going to work if we're sitting at a desk all day if we're sitting in a car all day how does our current lifestyle kind of shut down our body? How does it affect our body long term? It's mostly because we compartmentalize fitness and activity. We can think about how most people approach fitness, and they don't do it on purpose. I'm, I'm not blaming people for this. This is sort of what we've handed them as a way to approach exercise in the fitness industry, which is that we have a modern life that has engineered out the need to do any form of physical activity to, to go about your daily business. So now we sit to do everything. We sit to drive, sit at work for most people. And so we insert exercise back into it. But then that creates the problem of I have this one hour that I devote to exercise or so, and then the rest of the day I'm not active. So I have this massive spike of physical activity, and the other 23 hours I have very little. And our bodies are designed to move most of the day, regularly moving throughout the day. 
and to do so in a number of different ways, in a number of different directions, in a number of different intensities. So it's highly variable activity, and often our exercise is, is highly consistent activity. We often do very repetitive movements, and we have this big spike of physical activity that's all within one little box that we compartmentalize, and it's often very repetitive in terms of being m much more random and multiplanar and just moving in a bunch of different directions at different intensities like our bodies are supposed to be fed with. And so we have a suboptimal response of having these two extremes of hard exercise that's a little bit more limiting in terms of the range of potential movements that we train, but then we spend the rest of the day strapped into things not moving much. And I think that's a very interesting conundrum, right? Because people that do exercise often, I think you hit the nail right on the head, people exercise when they do calm, they do the same things over and over again. So why does, you kind of said, kind of talked about this earlier, but how does like movement, does a, is, there, is there a match between how we move and the exercise we do and the development through, through our function, our cognitive function? Yes, there is. And the, the interesting thing is all we have to do is look at kids to see it. So we see that when, when we're watching children develop their motor skills, there's a certain progression that they follow and they, and they kind of experience the world only up to the only up to the limitations of their ability to sort of handle the world. So when before they can walk, they just deal with what's right in front of their face. And when they learn to crawl, they can start experiencing things and exploring a little bit. And then when they can walk, they start exploring a little bit more. And then they become able to walk and use things with their hands. It opens up more opportunities. So the more complex we can make our movements and the more we can physically multitask, which we're actually very good at physical multitasking, we're not good at mentally multitasking, but physical multitasking is sort of hardwired into the human experience. And if we're able to do that, the more we're able to do that when we move, including exercise, so both exercise and our, our non-exercise physical activity, if it includes a lot of coordination, and not in a challenging way that makes you feel like you're tri tripping over your own feet or you feel like you're all thumbs, but just in a way that challenges you. So one example is when I have clients that I just, you know, of course you have people you kind of recommend they get outside and go for a walk and do things that are just a little bit more active even outside of exercise, I'll have them take a tennis ball with them. And they bounce it on the ground, catch it, or they toss it up in the air and catch it. And they might bounce it off of a wall and catch it if they're walking near a wall. They try to see how many times they can toss it in the air and catch it while they're walking before they drop it. Little fun games. Or I'll take a tennis ball and write numbers on it. And they bounce it and catch it. Every time they catch it, they just look down. And whichever number happens to be facing them, they add that to the total. I might have them add up to 100 and then subtract the numbers down to zero. So they become a little bit more eye-hand coordination involved with the walking experience, and it, it greatly enhances their enjoyment of the experience, but also the brain benefits of that same experience. So then you're, and this is what I think is important to realize, in, in essence, then any type of exercise is mind-body exercise. You know, I think that's what you're kind of alluding to is the fact that, you know, we, you know, again, you, you talk about we categorize, well, we got to do this type of exercise versus this type of exercise, but in reality, any type of exercise becomes a mind-body exercise, Right. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, it's one of those things that I, I often chuckle at where yoga, tai chi, and Pilates sort of get all the you know, labeling as mind-body exercise, but it's impossible to do any form of exercise where we're disconnected from body and mind. Now, we can have varying levels of connectivity and varying levels of awareness, and for some people, they find benefit in actually checking out a little bit mentally, but they don't so much check out. What they do is actually they check into their body, and, be, and because many people's heads are like a pinball machine most of the day with all the varying things that they have to do and deal with and handle, that when they are actually able to focus on a singular activity, even if it is challenging, it's almost like 
it's a sense of dissociating from all those things. So even though they are hyper-focused on their body, it feels like it's less work mentally. So it feels like they're disconnecting. But when you're physically active, as you said, you cannot disconnect the physical from the mental. There can be varying degrees of connection, but there's, a, there's not a small number of disciplines that kind of own that claim to mind-body fitness. And, and this is just, I'm thinking as we're talking, um, so kind of in essence, I think, would a good... If somebody's at work and they're kind of feeling dragging, you know, you get that kind of like one o'clock, two o'clock, and it's been a while since we've either of us have sat in an office <laughs> for many good reasons. But you know, the, people are sitting in an office and at two o'clock. So a better idea would be to get up and move around and maybe play a game or two, maybe have that tennis ball at work and to go outside and bounce it a few times. Would that be a better way to kind of wake up if somebody's kind of getting a little bit drowsy or a little bit, you know, fatigued during the day? And why would that be a better way? If it's possible, and I know for some people, the idea of getting up in an office and just start to play, playing a game and bouncing around a tennis ball in the office would be insane, or even going outside with one. If somebody saw you, you might be embarrassed. So I understand that. But subject to your ability to actually get away and do something like that, just get moving in general. I mean, even doing a lap around the hallways in your office or, or just to hand deliver something. And if you have to have a not so much a meeting, like a formal meeting where people need to sit and take notes on things, but if you're just having a more of an informal meeting, do it while you're walking. Get up and move a little bit. And yes, go outside and bounce that tennis ball around. Or just even go outside and, and just even to sit in nature and just let the air blow over your skin and just see the sights and hear the sounds of birds singing or just listening to the sound of air moving through the leaves. Even just being out in nature and the time it takes to walk out and get outside and find somewhere to do that, that can be a bit of a way to enhance the mind-body connection, even in that quick little experience. And then that's taking a five-minute break, and maybe you come back and you just feel energized and renewed, and you don't even have to really understand why. You can just do it and just know that if you get moving a little bit in some way, and preferably if you can do so in nature, you're going to feel a little bit better when you do. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I did work at one place for a while where a colleague and I would always say, well, we're going to go out and t- smoke a cigarette. We weren't. I mean, I don't smoke and I haven't smoked. But I figured we never thought it was fair that the smokers in the office got to go outside and have a cigarette. So he and I would always say, we go, we're going to go smoke a cigarette and we just go outside and stand outside for a few minutes. And we literally, that's what we're doing, taking a little fresh air break. We're like, if our colleagues can step outside and kill themselves for a few minutes with a cancer stick, well, we should be able to come out here and enjoy the fresh air for a little bit. So I sometimes, it's funny when sometimes I'm working with fitness professionals to say, all right, smoke a cigarette. And really what I mean is take a break. You know, and I don't mean literally smoke a cigarette. I mean that is take a break. Now, what I want to do is, is shift for a minute and then, then we'll wrap this up because I know we're, we're on time time limit here. But I want to shift because you, you when we've worked together before through the American Council on Exercise, you've worked a lot on obese, people that are that are obese, extremely obese. Is exercise is exercise safe for somebody that's really heavy? And 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 what can they do if somebody is listening to this and they are they're a little bit self conscious about starting exercise programs because they're really heavy? What are one or two things they can start doing to at least move towards a more active lifestyle? And, and you know, because I want to hear you kind of some of your thoughts on that because you've been one of the leaders in our space about that. Well, the first thing to do is to probably reframe how you categorize exercise, and it's all about where you're starting from. So. Someone's dealing with a pretty significant problem with obesity, and and that makes getting started hard. So maybe exercise is going to have to be different because for someone who's either fit, even just unfit, and maybe just walks their dog enough to have a decent level of health, going up, say, two flights of stairs is not going to be what you would call an exercise program. It might elevate someone's heart rate a little bit. But for someone struggling with obesity, that would be equivalent to running as fast as you can at top speed for maybe 30 seconds. 
it's it's a sprint. It's an it's actually an all out maximal effort. So the idea of saying I need to go to this forty five minute workout class or hour long workout class is a bit impractical, and it's it's not I think in indicative of any anyone doing something wrong or trying to make things too hard. It's almost just that we have a world in which there's people from planet obesity and there's people from planet fitness. And I don't mean the chain. I just mean sort of more in the astronomy sense. Since that's what I studied in college, it tends to work its way into a lot of my stories. So we have the planet fitness is this great place. We want people to come there and we say, it's great over here. So come on over. But to them, the journey's scary. They got to build a spaceship and travel to from one planet to another. They might die along the way. We know how to get there and we know how to bring them back. So for us, Adjusting what we do is much easier. And if we reframe exercise in terms of asking for less instead of more, the key thing I think when that when you're trying to work your way out of obesity with exercise is just forget the rule book and feel better first. Make tomorrow feel better than today was. And that's all you have to do. So that means if you feel like you can't walk for 10 minutes, but you can walk for five, do that. If you can't walk for five, then walk for four because four is more than zero and it's more than you did today. You do what you can, not what you can't, because oftentimes when you're dealing with any major physical challenge, the focus becomes on the obstacles. And when you behave like water and just instead of looking at the rock in the river, it just goes around it. You say, I'll do what I can, not what I can't. If I can't do something, I won't do what I can't. I'm going to do what I can. And just make tomorrow feel better than today did and just repeat that process, whatever that means for you. Just do a little more, a little bit more. Just feel a little bit better than you did today, because if you feel bad today and you're struggling, Today's as good as you're ever going to feel. Because I've seen obesity firsthand enough to know that if it's bad enough and we don't change and you don't feel good, it doesn't get better. And if you feel bad, today's as good as it's ever going to feel. It's just going to get worse. So we have to just do something. And if you can do two minutes, do two minutes of anything, physical activity, because it circulates blood, starts the process one day at a time. The journey of a thousand miles begins with one step, but so does a journey of only five feet that you give up right away. So the first steps have to be critical. And I think that's an important message, Jonathan, because I think the the the, the image and the in the, the message that the, the fitness industry gives out a lot of times is you have to work at a certain threshold, you have to work at a certain level, and you're just starting somewhere. I mean, I like that. I mean, it kind of borrows from Gary Vaynerchuk a little bit. You know, you know, one is better than none. You know, and it's you know one thing I think you know that I, I catch myself saying all the time is a little bit of something is better than a lot of nothing. You know, and and, and to do with that. Now, to kind of to ask one of the things that that you you did here. We're, we're right now we're at a conference. We're wrapping up at a, at a fitness conference in the beautiful suburbs of Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> and you spoke today about uh, fun tensity. Fun. Am I pronouncing that right? Fun tensity. And and what is that? And, and one of the things I love about it, I know a little bit about it, but one of the things I love about it are the first three letters. So tell us a little bit about fun tensity. We'll get to fun tensity in one second, but you just said something that I think bears reiterating. It's actually a very um, in intelligent point to make and that's that what we say to people about how we start exercise and you know I, I hear fitness people say this a lot and I know why we say it we say it because we're trying to motivate someone we're trying to take them to, to a place of pushing through when they're tired and we say things like you can do anything for 60 seconds 60 seconds is a damn long time to be doing something challenging that's hard so if you're just starting out with exercise and you've got a lot of physical limitations or you're carrying a lot of extra weight and someone has you try to do push-ups for 60 seconds, that's an insane amount of time. So we have to be careful what we say in terms of leading exercise for people because a lot of the things that we say to motivate people often don't. So now to fun tensity. So the first three letters, fun. So it's fun plus intensity. And the idea 
really came out of just me reading about the brain and then understanding that we make most of our decisions based on emotion and also just talking to people for almost 20 years now working in fitness and you've seen it, I've seen it, you talk about fitness and they have that body language that says, oh, I know I got to get back to the gym and there's this heaviness and this sense of obligation and duty and responsibility. And then when you talk about something fun, their tone changes and they get excited and they have this happy, joyful, positive tone in their voice. And then we understand that they always struggle for exercise and we wonder why. So I started saying, well, this, seeing what happens when, when people elevate the emotional experience that they have. So we do things more often when we have fun doing them. And looking around at the fitness world and saying that my primary motivation is helping the people who need our help the most. And the fitness industry, such as it is, we have things that could work for them, but the way we present them often deters people from participating in what we offer. So this 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 idea that exercise has to suck and it has to look like a Gatorade commercial where you have blue liquid coming out of your forehead when because you're, you're working so hard and it has to be terrible. It doesn't have to be terrible to make progress. You can. It can be terrible and make progress, but that's something that most people aren't interested in. Most people want to do things that 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 put a smile on their face and some joy in their heart and they want to have fun doing it and they'll be intense when they do it so watch kids play they're running around and they'll be intense but they won't focus no one's telling them to do it but they're lost in the fun of it so the key idea behind funtensity is to lose yourself in play to find yourself in fitness and tying that in with the brain means making the exercise making the exercises that you do such that you're dealing with reactivity and coordination and a little bit of friendly competition and and person to person interaction and playfulness so that you're more focused on the fun than you are the intensity so as as i like to say with this program the 20% of people will come for the intensity the 80% will come for the fun but everybody stays for the fun intensity yeah that's right because and you've talked about this you, you you do a much better job of talking about this than i do and i and i think you point this out and I'm pretty sure I heard it from you, Jonathan, is that a lot of times, why do people punish themselves with exercise, right? Because if I went out and I had a bad weekend, I you know, maybe had a couple, I was overserved one night and maybe I had that second dessert or whatever, then what do I say? Well, I got to punish myself. I got to, you know, exercise isn't about punishment. Exercise is about, you know, freedom, really. I mean, the freedom to do what you want. And that's really, that becomes the main theme of this podcast. Why should we re- reframe exercise? I mean, why, why should we you know, how can we, what can we do with ourselves? If somebody's listening to this and how can they change their mindset so they start thinking about exercise in a more positive light? Well, you actually said something here and I, and I've heard one of your earlier podcasts where you said something and it sounds so basic that it doesn't, I don't think people always hear the impact of it, but you essentially said that fitness is freedom and it is, it, really is. And it's interesting that you said that because maybe even over 10 years ago, I was trying to find a definition of fitness that worked for everyone. Cause I, you know, yes, we know athletes, what fitness is, but for everybody else, what's fitness. And I settled on something that has always worked for me that to me, fitness is being able to do whatever you want and not have to worry about your body. So you can go somewhere and do something. You're not thinking about, Oh, should I be able to do this? Or if I, if I go walk that distance can I get home if I play this sport am I going to be sore for eight days am I not going to be able to move and and that freedom to just go do what you want when you want is really what fitness is all about so I think it's great that you you're putting that in your own words because that's really something that I 100% believe because fitness is freedom it makes your world larger it gives you more opportunity but this idea that we that we punish ourselves with fitness is, is, is almost ingrained into the culture but what's funny about it is that it's going to make me do it less because we're essentially having to choose punishment and I have one rule that I use with almost everyone that I work with now. And I have very few rules because I don't really believe in rules because 
most things, especially when it comes to exercise and nutrition, are more like guidelines because there's so much variability. Like we all have five fingers on our hands, but no, none of our hands look the same. And so we have a lot of variability within the things that are even consistent. And so I, have, I do have one rule with everyone that I've started working with um, in the last couple of years, especially put this out to them. I really discovered this a couple of years ago. Most people find a great relief when I say this, which is that I don't want you doing any form of exercise or eating any food that you don't enjoy or hate. So that means if, you, if, if there's a particular food you don't like, but you feel like you have to eat it because it's healthy, I don't want you eating it because there's something else that will give you the same nutrients. There's enough variety in the world of nutrition and there's enough variety in the world of physical activity and exercise that everyone out there can pick something that you love to do. And if you haven't found it yet, it just means you have to keep trying. So if, there's, if you've been trying some different forms of exercise and you don't like that, don't do it. I don't want you doing something you don't enjoy. You can get strength benefits, aerobic benefits, endurance benefits, balance, mobility benefits from doing a variety of different things to key is in finding the things that you enjoy doing. So we have to keep looking until you do. If you haven't found it yet, it's out there because nobody is naturally wired to hate that which sustains life and makes us feel fantastic. That's a that that's an awesome message, man. Is kind of because people do. We we get in this mindset. Oh, I got to do that, and I got to eat that. Even though it may dislike the taste, you know, oh, it's healthy for me. I got to pile in the kale. I got to shovel down the whatever, you know. And, and they feel they have to do that. That's that's pretty cool. Now, as I was looking at this, you know, we were, I, was, I was standing with Ken, Sergeant Ken, uh, Sergeant Ken, and Sergeant Ken Weicher, another uh, fitness educator that works with us. I was kind of feeling what what's the benefit, and then then we'll wrap it up. What's the benefit, Jonathan? You've had a, a clean look for a number of years. <laughs> why? Why do so many fitness pre- presenters? Why do so many fitness educators seem to have like a lack? Or I don't want to say follically challenged, but they're very clean shaven, have a very clean look. Uh, that's, that's an interesting question. It's probably not sure how well this will play on a podcast where no one can see what we look like, but. Uh, <laughs> From, I always put a picture up. Oh, okay, so p- people listening can probably figure out that uh, yes, I'm bald, and uh, well, I, you know, I don't know. I, I would, I would probably go have fun with it and say it's because we all have extra testosterone, um, <laughs> especially Sergeant Ken, because you know he's so he's he's much larger than I am. So it, it, it's one of those things that I don't know where it comes from. But I was asked that question once at a school by a third grader. I think I was talking for career day, and the and the, the, the kid put her hand up and she said, how come all trainers are bald? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Cause I've been like this since 1995, right around the time Greg Norman and Andre Agassi did it to make it. So it all of a sudden got kind of cool for white guys to be bald. So I was pretty early on that trend, but honestly, I don't really know why that is so much the case. Um, but it is a very freeing and liberating uh, experience in over 20 years of being like this. I, I, I would guess it's in the tens of thousands how much I've saved from not going to uh, the barbershop to get a cut or shampoo, conditioner, maybe buy a few extra hats. But other than that, I think on balance, I've saved quite a pretty penny from just embracing this. And in my case, it was I had to fire my hair before I could quit. It was trying to go at a very early age. And um, I just had to get rid of the rest of it because I didn't want to look like the incredibly aging man in my early 20s. Um, but I want to just kind of uh, get back to one thing you said a minute ago because it's a, it's, a, it's a little caveat to what I said about the rule about I don't want you eating anything you don't enjoy or doing any form of exercise you don't enjoy, which is true. But I'll tell, I'll tell a little story that explains how we learn things. And this can be applied to healthy eating, exercise, anything. So for a long time, when I started getting healthy myself in the early 1990s, of course, you, most people start eating salads, right? We always go to, I'll, I'll, start get, I'll start eating healthy by eating salads. And like most people, I would eat a salad, but I would put the, the horrible, disgusting ranch dressing or Thousand Island dressing on it, uh, which both are, taste disgusting and they're made of disgusting stuff. So I don't use them anymore, but at the time I was. And then, I, of course, I knew I needed to transition away from that. So I eventually got into using olive oil and balsamic vinegar or maybe sometimes white balsamic vinegar. And So I loved the taste of olive oil, but I hated olives. 
And so this bugged me. I kept trying olives. So we're, we're talking early 1990s. I start using olive oil and come to enjoy the taste of it. Every six months, three months or so, I try olives. Don't like olives. And, but I wanted to. So this is the key. I had a desire to like olives. So a decade goes by. I'm, occasionally I try olives. Ah, just, they're too bitter, too intense. 2011, I'm having dinner and olives are served with bread. And now it's coming up on my semi-annual or um, quarterly attempt to try olives to see if I'll like them again. And I, I tried olives at that meal and I remember liking them. All of a sudden, I enjoyed the taste of olives. So the key there is that I had a desire to like olives, and I kept trying to like olives. So a lot of times with healthy food, people try it once and they never like it. People have their first cigarette, they never like that either. No one likes their first cigarette because, because smoke is always toxic to a human lung, yet people sometimes smoke. And the difference is that there's a desire to identify with your friends, to be part of a certain group, to be a certain type of person who does a certain type of thing, or maybe even be a little bit rebellious. So there's an identity there. And if we're tying something to our identity, we're more likely to have success. So if we view ourselves as a person who eats healthy food, we're more able to find the ability to like certain foods. So if you don't like something, yes, I'm saying, if you actually hate it and you've and you verified that you've hated it by trying it multiple times, definitely just, it's not for you, don't stress about it. But if you try something once and don't like it, I encourage you to try it at least a few more times to give it a second shot. Because we usually learn to like things if we don't like them at the first go. That's and that's an important message because it does. Because as it's funny, I, I think I think people can realize that as you start eating healthier things, as you feel healthier, you'll find that your tastes change, and, and you kind of have a cognitive awareness that hey, that is good for me, and you kind of you associate that positive that positive feedback. Now to wrap up, can you tell us? You know, if people want to find out about Funtensity, what you're doing. Um, can you tell us a little bit of how people might be able to follow you, stay in touch with you, like your social media tags or any website that you might be involved with? And you also have a book too. I don't. I didn't we didn't even talk about your book because your book's been out for a while. But if you want to do a quick, uh, just let people know how they can uh, find out a little bit more about what you do, now's the chance. Yeah, the book is Abs Revealed. It's been out for about six years now, and uh, you can get that on Amazon or you know, anywhere online. I'll and uh, it. it's. Um, yeah, it was actually fun to write that because ab training is always popular. I tried to write a book that was going to be a little bit creative in terms of um, the training progressions are pretty basic, but they start at the basic level and it's rock, paper, scissors because I don't believe in making things complicated. So the rock is the foundational level and then you go up from there in terms of complexity of the exercises. And if you actually work through the 10-week program, you, there's some really challenging exercises at the end that will be uh, very impressive if you do them in a gym in front of other people. So you know, give them a shot. Uh, for fi uh, finding out... Uh, what I got going on or just getting in touch with me in general. At Funtensity is a social media tag for anything Funtensity related. That includes uh, all the fun exercises I put out. I just put out a lot of exercises. I just share kind of a lot of what I'm doing. A lot of the concepts that are key to the Funtensity experience, which is actually just enjoying physical activity, putting a smile on your face while you're moving both in and out of exercise. And also my more general uh, social media handle just for, for sort of everything fitness related is at Jonathan Ross Fit. So take my first name, last name, add the word fit. So those two social media handles. Um, the website's Funtensity.com and my main site for everything all fitness related beyond Funtensity too is uh, AionFitness.com which is A-I-O-N Fitness.com and then Funtensity.com which is like F-U-N for fun and then Tensity for chopping off the last half of intensity. F-U-N-T-E-N-S-I-T-Y.com Hey, Jonathan, thanks for your time, and let's go catch a cab and go hit the airport. You're welcome, Pete. Thank you for having me on, and thank you for giving me the opportunity to share.
Does that change the way you think about exercise? You know, as you can tell, Jonathan is definitely one of the more cerebral trainers we have in the business. And we've known each other a long time. The interesting thing is we both worked in the D.C. area um, around the same time, but we only met one or two times at various like events or functions. We were both in kind of like completely different areas, but not that far from each other. So it's been kind of interesting that now that I live in San Diego and he's still back in, in D.C., that we've actually become friends and actually, actually collaborated on a lot of stuff together. One of the things I really respect and I really like about Jonathan is that he, is that he takes a different approach to fitness. You know, his personal story is a little bit different. You know, he, he both his parents had to deal with severe, severe obesity. He saw the effects that it has on quality of life. And so the way he does fitness is he wants to make fitness about having fun. He wants to make fitness about the experience. And I think that's a great message because sometimes I think we get so caught up in the outcome. I think we get so caught up in... I need to exercise to look a certain way or I need to exercise because I had that piece of cake or I did this or I did that and we beat ourselves up with exercise. But we shouldn't do that. Exercise, yeah, we should exercise because it, it improves our quality of health. Exercise improves our quality of life. And if you do group exercise, if you go to certain studios, it can really improve your quality of life because you create this entire social network. And Jonathan's one of the people that kind of realized that and just tried to develop the secret sauce. He's trying to put the formula in place so that exercise becomes something you look forward to. He wants you, and I the same way, I mean, we, we both, you know, educators like us, trainers like us, want you to learn how to appreciate exercise as something you look forward to doing. You know, you may not think about training your brain, but we can see the issues that people have. You know, when people get into their 70s, 80s, and older, or even as young as their 50s, people can start to experience cognitive decline. Their thought processes will go down. If they're not using your gray matter, you know, if people aren't using your gray matter, aren't using your brain, aren't engaging it, like any other muscle in your body is going to atrophy and get smaller. Or... Here's the other kicker, folks. I mean, if you exercise regularly and, and you have a favorite routine that you do all the time, well, good for you. You're, you're doing a little exercise is better than a lot of nothing. A little, when it comes to fitness and it comes to physical activity, a little bit of something is better than a lot of nothing. But here's the thing. If we keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, it's not stimulating our gray matter. We have to try new things. Maybe lift with free weights for a little while. Maybe do something different. Maybe pick up a new sport. Maybe take a dance class. Yeah, you might be a klutz. You might have three left feet. But what's going to happen is if you take a dance class, if you learn a new physical activity, you're creating new motor patterns in your brain. You have to use your brain differently. You know, if we keep using the same, keep doing the same exercise over and over again, it's like wearing grooves in the carpet. We're not using any new circuits in the brain. But learning different types of exercise not only challenges your body to work differently, but it challenges your brain, it challenges your nervous system to work completely differently. And that can be a key to longevity. Think about some of the older adults you know. You know, those that seem sharp, those that seem very active, that are fit, that are very engaging. Think about their lifestyle. Are they doing different things? You know, my, my wife's great uncle Ray, you know, he would chop wood, you know, until his late seventies, you know, he's passed, but until his late seventies, he'd be very active doing chores, chopping wood, going walking every day. 
You know, that kept him sharp. That kept him very physically fit. He wasn't a gym guy, but he stayed extremely active. You know, think about some of the older adults you know in your life. How active are they? How, how many different things do they do? And aren't they sharp? Aren't they very engaged? Now think of somebody that you might know who maybe just kind of sits around the house, doesn't really do much. You know, what's their, what's their quality of life? What's their temperament? Are they one of these positive lights of joy? Are these, you know, one of these gloomy gusses always complaining about things? So that's how we should use exercise, especially as we get into our 40s, 50s, 60s, and beyond. We should look at exercise not only for, not only for our muscles, not only for our heart, because yeah, those benefit, but also for our gray matter, for the brain, for our psyche. Try something new. Get out of your regular habit. Take, take that class that scares you a little bit, because isn't that the best way to grow? Sometimes in order to grow, we have to do something that scares us, something that challenges us. So I'm going to challenge you, and I'll take up the challenge too. In a future All About Fitness, I'll talk about a new class or a new workout that I've tried, but I'm going to challenge you to do the same thing. Try something new. Try a new physical activity. Take a new fitness class at your health club. Maybe join a health club. Maybe go walking on a new path. Maybe go hiking on a new trail. But try something new and see how your body reacts. And if you really, if you feel something, please write to me, let me know how it was. Send me an email, pete at petemccallfitness.com. You know, let me know about the new thing you tried. Not only that, but send me a quick email, how did it change you? How did it feel, you know, how to make your body feel? And I'll do the same thing on a future all about fitness quick fit tip. I'll talk about some new physical activity I tried and how it made me feel. So hopefully you got a lot out of today's episode. Hopefully now you understand that there's a definite cognitive component to exercise that can help us improve our longevity by improving our mental acuity. Follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is PeteMC underscore fitness. That's PeteMC underscore fitness on Twitter. On Instagram, my Instagram is Pete McCall, my entire name, Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Thanks for stopping by All About Fitness, and I look forward to having you join me for future episodes. Thank you.